Well, let's go ahead and come into our text here in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting verse 17. Paul had been bred up in Jewish learning. And really, when we think about the plain preaching of the crucified Christ, this was more powerful than any oratory, any philosopher, any philosophy of a heathen world that we have. But the one thing we do know is this is the sum and substance of the gospel. Christ crucified is the foundation of all our hopes. And so when we think about the fountain of our joy, as we were talking about it in Sunday school earlier, why is it that Christians are not happy? Why are we not thankful and, and very much people full of joy? I mean, if Christ really is the fountain of all our joys and he is our life, then we know that it is by his death that we live. When you think of a verse like that in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, it says, For I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. But in verse 21 of Galatians 2, it says, I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. So when we think about righteousness, we realize that that righteousness only comes through Christ. When you and I die someday, we stand based on the merit and, and righteousness of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we think about the preaching of the salvation to sinners. I do believe that the word of God is the only thing that can change a heart. I mean, you and I, when we listen to the word of God, no matter how we listen to it, it could be on, a, on the internet, the TV, or whatever it may be, the word of God is life-changing. When I think about people down through the years that are brought to that understanding, that the word of God became very real to them, Christ was a risen Savior to them, they got very excited, went out, started telling everybody they knew about the Savior because they wanted all people to come to the understanding that they had come to. And so by the suffering and the death of the Son of God, truly that is what we are resting and trusted in, knowing that he died for us. I mean, when Christ went to the cross, he went there with a purpose. He went there to die for sinners. Of You and I are the chief of sinners. Paul made that very clear. And so we want to know that if it's faithfully applied and we are truly resting and trusting in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have a lot to be thankful for. I mean, it appears some to others that it's very much foolishness. I mean, I've talked to people. I said, I don't believe any of that stuff. I went to Sunday school. I went to church because my parents made me, but I really don't believe any of it. And yet I look at their life and I wonder to myself, their lives are miserable existences. I look around and say, how can anybody live this life apart from Christ? But I also know it's those that are blind in their heart. When I think about them verses there in Acts chapter 18, and Paul's in the context, verse 4, it says, And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was the cross. Now look at that word there, he was pressed in the spirit. I mean, have you ever come into a conversation with somebody where you feel absolutely compelled or pressed in the spirit 
to tell them about Christ and you have every good intention to tell them and then when the opportunity comes you're quiet you're silent you're almost like you're ashamed to have to open your mouth and tell them about Christ but I think to a true Christian one that is excited about the things that God has done I believe that we have a testimony and we are pressed in the spirits to tell everybody we know about the Lord and Savior Lord Jesus Christ so, I mean, when I look there and I think about being pressed in the spirit, you come across somebody in a situation and they say, man, I'm in this really bad situation. I don't know what to do. Well, the truth of it is the Bible says repent and believe. That is what God says, the one that you are made in his image. You have been given life only by God. He breathed your soul into you. And the Bible makes it very clear that everybody will die, but the wages of sin is death. And why do people, why do bad things happen to people? Well, it's because of sin, and I think we understand that. But when I look here, he was pressed in spirit. Why is it that Christians are not pressed in spirit to tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ? I mean, the Bible makes it very clear that those who receive the gospel, those who are enlightened or regenerated by the Spirit of God, which is the salvation that God has given us, they see more of God's wisdom and the power of the doctrine of a crucified Christ. I mean, to a Christian, we realize to have a crucified Christ, that he died for me, he paid my debt in full, he washed my sins away, is a very powerful testimony of our grace that God has given us. And so when you think about that, this is what the gospel is. Remember, in Galatians chapter 1, what does the Bible say? Very simple verse. In verse 4, it says, who gave himself for our sins. You know, the Bible makes it very clear that Christ laid down his life for us. And he did that willingly. And so when I look at the scripture here, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us, that's a believer, from this present evil world, and we definitely in an evil world, all according to the will of God and our Father. I mean, what was the purpose of Christ's life? He was come to redeem a people unto himself. And so when I think about the doctrine of a crucified Christ, I realize that he died upon that cross for my sin. I realize that he took the wrath of God that abided on me, bore it at Calvary, and he did that all for me because there was no one that could die for me except for God himself in Christ. So when you look at that verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19, God was in Christ reconciling himself, or reconciling us unto himself. And so when you think about him who gave, uh, died upon that cross for our sins, that is the power of God unto salvation. That is what changes lives. So when you look at a verse again in Galatians chapter 1, verse 11, continuation of the same thought, Paul gives a testimony of what it means to be truly born again i mean people talk about being born again and i must say again and i will say again that if you are under the preaching and teaching of the word of god and you do not repent and believe you're better off not to be under the preaching and teaching than to die in your sins there's enough of the gospel every day for one to see his need of a savior although apart from the working of god in their life to show them the Lord Jesus Christ, I just can't imagine somebody dying in their sin. I mean, when you think about Paul, he was on the road to Damascus doing what he thought God wanted him to do, trying to be obedient in the faith of the Jews, the, the Jewish religion of the day. But when you look here in Galatians chapter 1, verse 11, he says, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached to me is not after man. 
I mean, when I tell somebody the gospel, I realize that it's not my story. This is God's story, and he bore witness in my heart when I was regenerated or born again, where I came to that understanding, not by man, but by God. And so he says, for I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of the revealing of Jesus Christ. For ye have heard my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. Remember, he was doing that for God, so he thought. He thought for sure that he was serving God when he was doing all these wicked things. But he was far from God because he didn't understand the Messiah. He didn't understand the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says there in verse 14 of Galatians 1, And profited in the Jews' religion above many of my equals in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my father. Now when we look there, he uses that word zealous. I wonder if we could serve God the way we served the devil before we were born again or converted, where God stepped into our life and brought us into his story. I mean, we had a great way of serving ourselves. We were very selfish, motivated people. We wanted to do everything we wanted for ourselves because life is all about us. Truth of it is, life is not all about you. Life is about Christ. To one that knows how to live will know how to die. And the one who dies must die in Christ because he'll have the eternal life that has been given to all them that believe. Well, Paul doesn't leave it there. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. <coughs> now we look at the word there, the call. What are we talking about? The effectual call. This is the effectual call of God. He is the one that steps into their lives and changes their life forever. This is where the Bible talks that we are new covenant believers. We have been given a new heart. We are created in Christ Jesus by the hand and power of God. So how did he do that? Well, verse 16, the Bible says, to reveal his son to me that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. So when I think about this not with flesh and blood, I realize that it's not by my willpower that I come to Christ. It is by the power of God or the salvation that I come to Christ. I mean, when you and I see one that has truly been converted, we have a testimony of grace. I'm not talking about just a mere profession. I'm not talking about going forward in an altar call and saying a prayer, which to me is absolute foolishness. I'm talking about a true work of the word of God through repentance of the wickedness of your sin and your turning to Christ Jesus as your only hope. That's that faith that we are resting in him. Remember, we're not resting in our intellectual ascent that I believe a few things that the Bible says that Christ went to a cross, died on it, rose again third day. I believe it, so I'm in. Listen to me, it goes much deeper than that. That's such foolishness that's taught in so many churches today. I'm talking a biblical repentance, a hatred of your sin, where you turn from the wickedness of your sin, turn to Christ as your only hope, as your Savior, as your Messiah, the anointed one of God that came to seek and to save all that was lost where all of a sudden there's an intimate relationship that goes much deeper than an intellectual ascent believing a few things that the bible says there are many things that people believe about the bible that may be absolutely right but that to the point of saving faith when a person is born again they have been given a new heart they have a love for the Lord Jesus Christ. They want to be an ambassador of the truth. They want to be a minister of a reconciler of men, all men and women unto Christ. 
And so when I think about the true identity of Paul's being born again, as you see in the Damascus Road in Acts chapter 9, the one thing you see with him, he changed his whole life. He went a whole new direction. He was truly serving God, and he had a love relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, which made him walk in holiness and truth and obedience to the Word of God, striving with all his heart to love the Lord Jesus Christ with all his mind, heart, and soul. And he gave his life for that cause. That was his calling by God. That is the calling of every true biblical born-again Christian, one that truly wants others to know what God has revealed to them personally, where they have a debt in their heart to see souls come to Christ. And that's the way we should be as a church. People are asking all the time, what is the church going to do as you see the wickedness and the evil in this world? We're going to do what we're supposed to have been doing all along. We're going to preach the gospel. We're going to be a witness and a light, the reflected glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the purpose of the church. It has not changed no matter how wicked society gets, no matter how much persecution will come upon the church, which it will come upon and has come upon many churches, but we must be faithful to Christ because of the love of God that's been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So when we say, I love Christ, we love him by a demonstration of our works. By my works, I show you that I am Christ. My life is for him. My love is for him. I want to be obedient for him. I want to follow him. I'm not here to follow a man. I'm not here to follow a program. I'm here to follow Christ. I want to be a follower of Christ. Remember what Paul said? Follow me as what? As I follow Christ. Paul said, everything about my life is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so then they tell me that they are Christian, then why is it that we are not giving our whole life, body, and soul for the cause of Christ and being obedient to him and following him with all our heart? That is the purpose of the local New Testament church. That is the purpose of each and every one of us that claim the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You tell me that you are a Christian. I want to know how are you serving a resurrected Savior? How are you serving God himself in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit because we have been sealed by that Holy Spirit until the day of redemption? We are God's children. We have been given a new heart. We are new covenant believers and only because of the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think we understand that. And so when you come into our text here in verse 17, what are we talking about? The Bible says, Paul speaking, for Christ sent me not to baptize. You know, we look around today and you see in many Baptist churches, as soon as they get somebody to make some profession of faith, they put them in a dunk tank and call it well. And then they give them assurance of salvation that they're truly Christ. And they go about their life and live their wicked life all their days. And they're rested and trusted in some profession of faith they made, but they never demonstrated it by love and obedience to the word of God. They never walked in holiness. They didn't do what they were supposed to do. They have no desire to read the word of God every day of their life. They have no desire to hear the truth of the word of God. They just say, I'm good, I'm in, I get to go to heaven someday. But Christianity is much more than intellectual sin. Christianity is much more than I get to go to heaven. It's not about my baptism. It's not about how many times I get dunked. It is about the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when I say that I'm a Christian, that means I am a Christ-like one. That means that I am one that loves the Lord Jesus Christ. That means I'm one that is absolutely unashamed of anything that have to do with the gospel. And I'm willing to tell the most wicked and profound sinner that there's hope for him in Christ. So Paul says here, he sent me not to baptize. And so the Bible says here, what is the purpose of your life, Paul? He says, but to preach the gospel. 
Now, when I think about a preacher, I talk about pastors or teachers or missionaries. These are men sent from God to preach the word of God. That is exactly what the Bible says. And we are to be absolutely emphatic with that and saying, I want to tell everybody I know about the Lord Jesus Christ because of the testimony of grace that he has shown me. Because I know that he rose again from the dead for me. I know that he ever liveth to make intercession for me. I know that I can overcome all obstacles in my life, no matter how hard they're going to be. Because I know the Bible says the rain comes on the just and the unjust. Right? I mean, the rain falls on you, the rain falls on me. That's just the way it is. God doesn't say, well, because you're a Christian, your life's going to be easier. If anything, your life is going to be harder because the world is going to hate everything you stand for. They're going to be against everything that you believe with all your heart. And if you're a young man and you go into college, they're going to try to discredit everything that you have been taught by the Word of God. But if the Holy Spirit is here and he burns in your heart a fire of the Word of God, you will never be confounded by them, for they are all foolishness that tell you things that are contrary to the Word of God because you believe it by conviction. There's a difference there. And so he says here, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Look what Paul says. Not with the wisdom of words. You know, a lot of times we get confused by the worldly or human wisdom. Listen to me. The human wisdom, apart from the word of God, is satanic deception. That is the devil. He does they're very good at that. He's got a lot of philosophies out there that twist people and turn them in different directions. But to us that are truly born again, we believe the word of God. We follow the Lord Jesus Christ. We read that book every day because we know these are the words of life that have been given unto us. And we also know only by the Holy Spirit that has sealed us until the day of redemption do we have an understanding of the word of God. So when you and I read the Word of God, we're not reading it as a textbook. We are reading as, this is the Word of God. This is the Bible that has been given to me, that I may know Him that is eternal. And so when the Bible says here, not with wisdom of words, it isn't the idea of a wisdom of words or a philosophy or vain deceit. It is the Word of God. And so the Bible says here, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made none effect. I mean, when we think about the cross of Christ, that's absolutely vital and important. Amen. We must understand the doctrine of the cross. Every sermon should shoot to the cross. He died for me. He rose again from the dead the third day. He lives for me. He reigned for me. He is God, right? I mean, when I think about Jesus Christ, he is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. I mean, there's no one that can take that except for the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, this verse doesn't mean that people should not be baptized. So I want you to understand that. Some people say, well, there you go. You don't need to be baptized. Well, we know that our word baptismo is to fully submerge or to put under. But we call it a believer's baptism. One that truly repents of their sin, believes upon the Lord Jesus Christ, and they are commissioned, first ordinance of the church, to be baptized, to be submerged in the water, in the death and burial and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Absolutely. I mean, when you look at a verse like Acts chapter 2, verse 38, it says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent. Repent. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So when the Bible says there, repent and be baptized, that means you are born again, and by testimony of grace, you believe in the death and burial of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
You don't just believe it intellectually because there are many people that are going to be in hell someday because they believed a bunch of Bible facts, but they never came in an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. Kind of like the road to Emmaus. They encountered Christ, but they were blind. They couldn't see that it was Christ who was talking with them until God opened their hearts, opened their eyes. So again, in Acts chapter 2, verse 39, For the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as our Lord our God shall call. Now we look at that word call, we're talking about an effectual call. Let's read that again. For the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. It's pretty easy and pretty simple, pretty basic, but it is the power of God unto salvation. I mean, God did not send Paul to start a private cult of people who have been personally baptized by him. Remember, we already seen that. They were talking about all these divisions within the local church. So when you look at a verse like Acts chapter 26, verse 16, it says, But rise and stand upon thy feet. For I have appeared unto thee for this purpose. Who's talking to Paul? Christ. He says, To make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from thy people, from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom I send thee. God speaking, Christ speaking. So what was the purpose of his ministry? Verse 18 of Acts 26. To open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me, Christ speaking. So when you look here, what do you see? Paul's commission has always been, from the beginning to the end, to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God. I mean, that's our ministry also. We are to tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to be absolutely dogmatic about the Word of God and what it means to us and the testimony of Scripture. I mean, we can say, well, I have been born again. Well, that's great. I want to know, if you have been born again, then where is your love for God? Where is your service to God, your life is God's. The Bible says you've been bought with a price. You're God's. What does that mean? He can do with you as he pleases. That is what that means. And what do we do? We rest and trust in him. The Bible says to trust not in yourselves. Trust not in things of you, but rest in the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, Paul, he was called with one purpose, to preach the gospel. That is the whole purpose of the New Testament church, to bring people into a oneness in Christ, to bring them to an understanding of the Lord Jesus Christ. And apart from God stepping into their life, they have no opportunity nor power to believe the gospel, but we are to be faithful with the word of God. Tell them they need the Lord Jesus Christ. They need to repent. Tell them every opportunity we have. Leave the results with God. Go to bed. Sleep well. Trust God to do what he wills, right? That is what we've been told to do. That is the power of God unto salvation. So when you look at a verse like 1 Corinthians chapter Chapter 2, verse 4, Paul speaking, And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. Paul makes it very clear. My testimony is not about man's wisdom, not at all. What does he say? But in demonstration of the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, and of power. 
So how does Paul debate the issues? By the power of the Holy Spirit. What does he do? He doesn't use the wisdom of men's words. He uses the word of God. I mean, we have a complete canon of scripture in our hands. We can read it each and every day. We can believe it with all our heart. We can rest and trust in it because we know whatever God says in this book is absolute truth. People today, they say, I don't believe in absolute truth. Well, so are you. I do. Because I believe the word of God is the word of God. It's been given to us. And no doubt about it. And only by the working and the power of the Holy Spirit can one have an understanding or a revelation or be illuminated into the truth of what rests in the pages of this book. I mean, when I read the God's word, I know this is God's word given to me. I know that. So when you look at a verse like 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13, which things also we speak, not in the words of man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Now look at the word of God here. Which things also we speak, and that's talking to us, that's talking to a believer, that's talking to one who actually believes the Bible. We're, we're willing to debate the professor and the university. We're willing to stand with one book, one source, one power, one strength, one hope, one faith, one God, and confound the foolishness of human wisdom. And so when Paul says here, which things also we speak, not in the words with man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So when you look at another verse, jumping out of 1 Corinthians and 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, what does Peter say? For we have not followed cunning devised fables, which we made known unto you by the power and coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, but he says we were eyewitnesses of the majesty. Now I want you to think about that just for a moment. The eyewitnesses of the majesty. When you were truly born again and regenerated in your heart, you became an eyewitness that Christ truly did die for you and rise again from the dead. Amen? I mean, you knew that beyond a shadow of a doubt. You had such a confidence that Christ bore your sin at Calvary and through the shed blood that he shed for each and every believer that he died for me and he rose again from the dead and he makes intercession for me. There wasn't a doubt in your mind that is a revealing of what christ has done for you remember a lot of times in the greek you have that word for which the word for means in behalf of and so that's a very important word in the english we don't get the the just of it but in the greek it brings out the aspect that he did this for me he went to that cross with a purpose to die for me he went there to bear my sin bore my sin upon that cross for one purpose all according to to the Father. The Father gave him for the sheep. Amen. I mean, that's what the Bible says. And so what does Paul say when we come back into verse 18? He says, for the preaching of the cross. Now, when he says here for the preaching of the cross, I mean, this is God's total revelation, the gospel in all its fullness. I mean, it centers on the incarnation and the crucifixion of Christ. Remember that verse there, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. I mean, this is the entire divine plan. This is everything that was set in order before the foundation of the world. The provision of redemption of sinners. Remember when Christ came, I came to seek and to save all that was lost. I mean, this is the theme of all scripture. So when he says here for the preaching of the cross, this is the thrust 
of a Christian. This is the thrust of the gospel message to tell an unbeliever. Listen to me, you can't convert one. You can't reason with them to bring them to an understanding. Apart from the Holy Spirit, they will not hear nor will they see. They will die in their sins and trespasses. You understand that? They will die in their sins and trespasses apart from God opening their eyes. But you and I have a heavy responsibility to be have a burden in our heart to see lost people that we love and know and people we are in association with come to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ where all of a sudden they know beyond a shadow of a doubt he's risen from the dead. He did die for me. My sins are forgiven. I have hope and my hope is in God which is in Christ right and so when you look here when we talk about that for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness now i know that when you go and you witness to people they tell you that stuff is foolishness they tell you that stuff are fables they say i've never believed that all my life i went to sunday school when i was a kid my parents made me do it because you know that's just what you did back then today it's much different kids don't go to church nobody goes to church they feel everything will be fine and in the end it doesn't really matter i get buried in a hole six feet under but the word of god it is true it is the truth it's been the same word of god down through the generations says something quite different for the wages of sin is death i mean why do people die today sin why do tragedy happen to people sin it all hinges on sin but that's why christ when he came to the world he came to bear our sin bore our sin at calvary amen i mean that's what your bible says so when i look here and i think to myself isn't that amazing that the preaching of the cross is to them that perish those that die in their sins their soul will live forever foolishness now look at our word foolishness i mean this is the word that we get our english word moron this word is derived from so when we think about this foolishness they're morons that look at it in such a way but it is the foolishness in the truest sense because the bible says for the preaching of the cross it's within the parish foolishness there's so many times i've had conversations with people about the lord jesus christ and they tell me i don't believe any of that stuff that stuff's such a fake you know how many christians i've known over the years they've all been a bunch of hypocrites they all laugh at the same things i laugh at they do the same things i do but they tell me to go to church i don't want any of that i don't even believe in any of that i've seen their testimony i've seen the way they walk i see the way they live they don't love nobody but themselves they're just like me but when we look here the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness you and i understand that if you are a witness for christ they do laugh at you and scorn at you and mock you they do make fun of you they do make you feel uncomfortable they try every tactic in the book to make you think that what you believe is absolutely foolishness but the reality of it is if they don't believe what you tell them about the cross of the lord jesus christ they are the fools but the bible says only a fool says in his heart there is no god have you come across somebody like that well i have come across many that have said i don't believe in god well i do believe the bible makes it very clear that there's nowhere in the scripture that anybody's an atheist okay people say i don't believe in god but the problem is is they have to borrow from the christianity worldview in order to make their points so in reality the bible is very clear that only a fool says in his heart there is no god and so when the Bible says here, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, here's the contrast, but to us which are saved, it is the power of God. I'm going to look at our phrase here, the power 
of God. When I think about people that have made their profession of faith over the years and those that have walked away from it, and we live in a day where we have many people that are walking out of the church and saying, I'm not going to church no more. It doesn't work for me. I'm just going to move on. Or we have church jumpers where we, we jump all over the place trying to find the perfect church. There is no perfect church, that's for sure. But there is Christ church, and we're thankful for Christ at least us that are truly saved. So when the Bible says here, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. When I look at that verse in Romans, chapter 1, verse 16, the Bible says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. What do we find here? But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Now notice he doesn't say the power of free will. He says it is the power of God, right? And to a Christian, one that truly loves the Lord Jesus Christ, we know it had to be the power of God that brought me unto eternal life. It had to be the power of God that changed my heart. It had to be the power of God that gave me a new heart. And so when I look here, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God of God and even Romans 1 16 for it is the power unto salvation to everyone that believeth what about Psalm 110 verse 3 the Bible says the people shall be willing in the day of thy power in the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning and thou the dew of thy youth so I mean when we think about the power of God what do we see we see what it means to be truly born again. It was God that stepped into our life. He's given us a new heart. He's changed our life forever. He has shown us the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have to fight the fight of faith. We have to lay hold on eternal life. Another verse, First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 4. Knowing, beloved brethren, your election of God, for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in the power and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as ye know what matter of men we were among you for your sake. But look at the word. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost. This is the power of God. The Holy Spirit is the regenerator. He is the one that illuminates and makes you alive. That's called regeneration. It's what it means to be born again. I mean, every person is in the process of salvation in one sense. In Romans chapter 8, verse 29, talking, Paul speaking, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now, I know we don't, that word predestinate freaks people out. It doesn't freak you out. The Bible is very clear. God had a plan. God had a purpose. And God executes everything that he was going to bring to be. And if you are born again here today, that was in his book. That was all part of the power of God unto salvation. And so when you look there in verse 30 of Romans 8, it says, Moreover, whom he, and that he is God, okay, that he is God, even back in verse 29, he did foreknow God. He also did predestinate. Verse 30, moreover, whom he predestinated, them he also called, whom he called, them he also justified, whom he justified, he also glorified. And when we look at that verse, we see it's all in the past tense. That is the power of God unto salvation. That is why we are secure 
in Christ. That is why we believe in the perseverance of the saints, because if God had begun the good work, God will bring it to be. And we say to him be the glory. Though not completed until the redemption of the body, that glorification aspect, for now, what does the Bible say? Romans chapter 8, verse 23, And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the firstfruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. I mean, there is coming a day there will be a bodily resurrection. Amen? I mean, that is absolutely truth. That is the word of God. What about Romans 13:11? The Bible says, "And that knowing the time, that now is the high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed, that first day that we truly believed. Now it's near. We're close. Christ's going to bring us home. We're going to have a new body to go along with our new heart. We're going to be his for all eternity. And what a blessing that will be. And so when we look here, the process of destruction, I mean, one's response to the cross of Christ determines which the ones are Christ rejectors. I run across a lot of people that blaspheme that holy name. I run across a lot of people that are Christ rejectors. They say, I don't believe it. I don't care. It doesn't matter. And I know in my heart they're blinded by the devil. He's the God of this world, the prince of the power of the air, that spirit that works in the children, Christ rejectors of disobedience. I know Satan is their father, and I know God can break the power of Satan in their life and bring in the power of God to give them a new heart, just like you and me if we're born again. And so that process here, we wonder to ourselves, these Christ rejectors are basically in the process of being destroyed eternally. Remember the verse there in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. It says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. The Christ rejecter remains dead in trespasses and sin. Wherein in time past he walked according to the course of this world, that's your everyday life, according to the prince of the power of the air, that spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Though the gospel is nonsense to an unbeliever. People that I've talked to, some of them get very irate. I remember a man at one of my jobs, and I was working, and I was telling him about Christ, and he got so irate. He got angry, got loud, got boisterous, and maybe that was a way for me to back off and leave him alone. Well, I didn't back off because I know that people that are outside of Christ are haters of God because the Bible says so. I know Satan has blinded that man's life. He was like 63 years old, 64 years old. He's about to retire, had no understanding of the gospel. And I gave him with everything I had at that moment. And now I leave it with God. And so I moved on from that job. But the reality of it is, the power of God can still change a heart. While they have breath, pray for them. Pray for them. But those who are believers, I want you to understand that. It is a powerful wisdom. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 19. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness. 
Have you ever seen how smart people can be in their intellectual understanding of things, whether it be their philosophy or their vain deceit, and you can take them to task by the word of God, but it's not you, it is God, amen? It is God that does that, and so he taketh, God says, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness. What about Acts chapter 17, verse 18? The Bible says, And certain philosophers of the Echipurians and the Stoics encountered him, and some said, what will this babbler say, speaking of Paul, and other some? He seemeth to be a what? A setter forth of strange gods. They're blind. They have no understanding. And these are the wisdom. These are the philosophers of the day. These are the smart ones. They know their stuff. They're intellectual. Maybe they have degrees on their walls in a more contemporary term. But what does the Bible say? Because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. Who is this babbler? Who is this guy telling us about these strange gods? There's only one God, you philosopher. It is Christ, risen. And let me say this, coming again, amen? I mean, that's what the Bible says. And so when I look at the next verse there in Acts chapter 17, the same context, verse 32, the Bible says, And when they heard the, the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. You do. You have people that mock you. We've all been there. But the Bible says, and others said, we will hear thee again in this matter. That's a very interesting verse there. We will hear you again. How did they know they would hear him again? Maybe God brought one time, one gospel, give them that one quote-unquote chance, as some would say. And that was the time they'll never hear it again. Now that's a very interesting thought. But think about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. The Bible says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. I mean, what was Paul's ministry? The gospel. He says, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. We stand the gospel. Amen. I mean, we have to be absolutely dogmatic or bulldogmatic that that gospel is absolute truth. That is the gospel that's going to change your life and change my life. And the Bible says there, that is wherein ye stand. Verse 2, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. There are many people that believe in vain. Cares come into their life, situations come, they're a little harder than they're able to handle, and they just trust themselves and they just walk away and say, Christianity didn't work for me. The only reason Christianity didn't work for you is God didn't reveal a son to you. That's why it didn't work. You were never born again or regenerated. So what does the Bible say? Paul says it, verse 3, very easy in the gospel. These verses are all you need. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Now, when he says according to the Scriptures, he's talking Old Testament here. Because the New Testament obviously has not been written. So when he says the Scriptures, that means that the Old Testament had already revealed what he would come to do. And everything God wrote in the Old Testament will come to be. Because God don't lie. So if God spoke it, it will come to existence. And so the Bible says, For I determined unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. And he was buried, and that he rose again the third day again according to the Scriptures. So we see that according to the Scriptures. Everything God wrote in the Old Testament will come to pass. Why is that? 
God does not lie, but let every man is a liar. But God does not lie. So when we think about the fulfillment of everything in the Old Testament, Christ fulfilled all the prophecies that were written of him in 33 and a half years. And when we know that without a shadow of a doubt, we know this is the word of God. And what do we find going on today? People that are trying to discredit the word of God. Even some that call themselves evangelical pastors or seminary professors or missionaries that are teaching things contrary to the word of God. But I do believe that if you have the Holy Spirit and you've been sealed until the day of redemption, there's not a doubt in your mind. These are the words of life. Now think about that just for a minute. The words of life. 